Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to No Names All Game. It is Thursday, September 27th, and it is here. The Whiteout, Ohio State, biggest game of the year. So we have a huge episode for you. First, we have a really great interview with Jake from the Urban Renewal, which is an Ohio State podcast. He gives us everything we need to know about this Ohio State team. We talk score predictions, and we even make a friendly wager on the game. And then Pat and I come in to break down everything on the Penn State side. Offense, defense, special teams. There's a whole lot here for you, so let's get it. Welcome on Jake from the Urban Renewal, which is an Ohio State podcast. Uh, Going to talk about this game upcoming this week. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Everything is good. Uh, both teams are 4-0, both in the top 10. Currently number one and two in offensive scoring points per game. Things are good in, uh, in the top of the Big Ten right now. Yeah, the very top, the middle of the bottom is uh, not looking too pretty right now, though. A little ugly down there, but uh, we wanted to bring you on, on today to talk about this game. Uh, so for the listeners out there, I went on Jake's podcast, The Urban Renewal, prior to the season. Uh, we broke down both of our teams, sort of our expectations, and then talked about this game a little bit. So now that we are officially in the week of, we thought it'd be good to kind of come back, talk about where our teams are at, and and see what we think is going to happen in this game. So I'll start with that. Um, both teams 4-0. So from from the Ohio State fan perspective, uh, what's what's the feeling around Columbus? How are you guys feeling about this start? Um, I mean, we, we honestly expected to be 4-0. I know, you know, with the Urban Meyer suspension, um, you know, that really put a hitch into it because we did play a big game down in Dallas. We went down to Dallas and beat TCU um, about 15 miles away from TCU, even though it was a neutral site game, it was every bit of a home site game for TCU. Granted, it was probably about 50-50 in fans, um, but nobody knew how that game was going to go because TCU was an incredibly fast team. Um, you want to say this is their big key matchup. They don't play too many non-conference matchups, so this was huge for them. Um, originally, side note, it was supposed to be a home-and-home, and, home, and TCU said, eh, no, we don't want to risk losing two games, so they decided on a neutral site game. Um, but Dwayne Haskins has been everything that we've ever hoped for and more. Um, the last four years or last seven, eight, 12 years of JT Baird, however long he was there, um, you know, we couldn't throw the ball downfield. You know, we finally got a quarterback who is, you know, who has a big arm. You know, when you remember Cardale Jones, you know, he had a massive arm. Dwayne Haskins has that, but the main difference between Dwayne Haskins and Cardale Jones is the precision he has on the short passes. The short passes have just been incredible. You know, the timing routes that they have, the routes have been incredible. Um, we're very happy with everything that's gone, you know, especially with this offense. This offense is clicking on all cylinders of what we were hoping for. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dwayne Haskins, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with him. Uh, we recruited him when he was when he was coming out. He initially initially committed to Maryland before flipping to you guys. I mean, he's the real fucking deal. Like, 75%, 76% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, only one interception. Um, and, and what actually stuck out to me was uh, rushing yards. So he has, looks like, 10 carries for 28 yards, which, I mean, I know he's not known as a rusher, but just when you think of the Ohio State offense for the past, like you said, however many years, I mean, it's always been the quarterback that can do both. So um, really, really interested to see kind of how he'll play on the big stage, um, you know, at the whiteout, under the lights, prime time. Um, and I think that's that's going to be a big one for him. So, yeah, he's he's doing real well, obviously. Uh, I won't spend too much time on it, but you did touch on the Urban Meyer piece. For the Ohio State fans at this point, is that is that still even a topic of conversation, or is it more he's back and you guys are kind of kind of over it and business as usual? We didn't even want to talk about it when it was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's how much that we wanted to talk about. We didn't want to talk about it when it was, the investigation was happening. Um, but for us uh, – the one thing that I always felt like is that there was it was not going to end and there was going to still be another big bombshell. But I think we're finally past that point that, you know, Brett McMurphy is not going to drop some bombshell tomorrow. You know, if he would have if he had anything, he was going to drop it by now. And he's kind of moved on. Um, we, we honestly felt like Brett McMurphy had a little bit of a vendetta because of the way he was putting information out with a massive spin on it. 
you know, he, he would put stuff out and it would sound awful. But at this point, we are past it. Um, you know, when Ryan Day, uh, you know, was the coach for three games, um, it honestly never felt like Urban Meyer was gone because the way that things were operating, you know, they kind of kept the media in the dark for a while. Um, and then doing all of the media stuff, even while Urban Meyer came back from suspension, Ryan Day was still doing all the media stuff until last week. Um, so, you know, the weekly press conferences, that was Ryan Day. They do a call-in show on Thursdays. That was still Ryan Day. Ryan Day Greg Schiano kind of took care of it all. And with Greg Schiano and Ryan Day, you know, Ryan Day is going to be a head coach next year. Somebody's going to come pay him $5 million to be the head coach. Or, you know, USC is going to come pay him $5 million to be the head coach next year. That you, you can already tell he has that demeanor, that he's ready to run a program. And for us, that kind of gave us the confidence because his first press conference, he came out and blew it out of the water, just answering everything straight on. He wasn't dodging bullets. So for us, it's been ever since that first press conference with Ryan Day, everything has kind of felt pretty normal. And then when Urban came back, um, you know, we're back to normal at this point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and I won't speak for all Penn State fans, but I think it's one of those things from the outside looking in. And obviously we've had our, our share of, of something similar and, and probably much, much bigger than this. Uh, you, you don't wish for something bad to happen, but you're sitting there and you're like, God damn, these guys are just cruising along. Like you, you would hope not, not for them to lose a game, but it's, you know, is there going to be any setback? Is there going to be any change? And it seems like this is how the, how Ohio state always operates. It's like one thing goes down and there's someone else to take over. So um, mildly annoying, but uh, I'm happy you guys are four. now. honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way coming into this game because then it just wouldn't be, wouldn't be as meaningful. So you touched on the offense a bit, so let's start there. So matchup of Ohio State offense versus Penn State defense. What are you looking at from the Ohio State side, and, and what are some things that maybe the Penn State fans can uh, can be and should be keeping an eye out for? I want to see if you guys can get to the quarterback. Dwayne Haskins has been pressured next to zero this year. Um, he's, got a, he's gotten sacked a, a couple times um, by a couple. I don't know have an exact stat in front of me, but – you know, the first two games, we allowed a well, total, I think, of one pressure between Oregon State and uh, Rutgers. Now, granted, those are far inferior comp, uh, you know, opponents than to Penn State. But the fact is, Dwayne Haskins was only pressured once, you know, and you saw what he was doing. He was picking teams apart. He's had two games this year where he's only had a, uh, three incompletions. Against Tulane, he went 20 of 23, and against Rutgers, he only had three incompletions as well. So the one thing that we haven't really truly seen is what happens when Dwayne Haskins gets stressed out. You know, he gets under pressure. Um, the one thing that a lot of people didn't really notice if you weren't an Ohio State fan is that when we played TCU, pretty much every snap was low. Um, we got a new center this year. We moved our left guard to center. It's been a trend for us the past four or five years, and it's worked out for us. The last two centers we've had have been Remington Trophy winners. So it's obviously they wanted to try it again. They moved our, you know, a potential all Big Ten left guard to center. Um, you know, he's a six foot seven center. He's probably the biggest center in the big 10 and each of the snaps were low and that didn't affect him because he still went on to throw for 300 yards against CCU. Um, but what's going to happen, you know, when somebody gets in his face, when you guys bring a blitz, because if you let him sit back there and throw, we're just going to pick your defense apart. Like that's not saying Penn state has a bad defense. I mean, your defense hasn't been strong this year, but if you just run four man, you know, four man defensive line against them, and you give him all day to throw, he's going to find somebody eventually. He's going to put it on the money to somebody eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something that my co-host Pat and I have talked about where, you know, our defensive line is, is young. Um, they've, they've shown improvement game over game. We've gotten more pressure. Um, I think that's going to be a big key for this one uh, because, like you said, Haskins has, has shown that he can do it very well in a clean pocket. Um, I, I thought your offensive line might take a step back this year, but, you know, from what I've seen, it really doesn't look like it. Um, looks like they're a really solid group. So um, that's going to be something that I'm definitely, definitely looking for is to get some pressure, um, not only to, to, you know, ruffle them a little bit, but combine that again with the atmosphere. And I know you guys played TCU in, in a big stadium. That was a night game, right? Yeah, um, but it wasn't nearly Penn State because, like I said, it was probably about 50-50, if not more Ohio State fans there. Right. I mean, this, yeah, you're going to have, you're going to have a decent bit of Ohio state fans, but this is the whiteout. And, and we might've talked about this on your show. Have you been to a Penn state whiteout before? Yeah, I've been to two of them and I'll be there this weekend as well. Oh, very nice. That's awesome. I, uh, I wish I could be there. Unfortunately, couldn't make it this weekend, but, uh, you'll have to report back and let us know how it goes. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the fans are, are good to you. Uh, and hopefully it's a really great environment, but 
Yeah, I mean, that for, I mean, the kid's, what, a true sophomore at this point? Actually, he's a redshirt sophomore, third year in the program. Okay, so yeah, but I mean, he's got some experience. First big game that he's got to do. First yeah, true, I mean, true road game he's going on. Yeah, and that crowd is is going to be relentless. Like I said, it's it's early enough in the season that this game can can really make or break either team's hope for a Big Ten title, a playoff. Um, you know, obviously things happen down the line, but this is this is a pivotal game for for both teams. So I think uh, I think you're going to see this crowd rally behind the defense. We have a young defense. Um, I, I'm personally more worried a little bit about uh, the run game because we have seemingly not been able to stop the run. So I'm going to ask you this. I was looking at the stats a little bit. I know obviously you've got J.K. Dobbins, um, you know, electric freshman last year, and then Mike Weber. It looks like the, you know, everything has really kind of been on the pass game this year. Has that just been because you have Haskins and you have these receivers, or has, has have there been any struggles in the run game? So with these two guys, it's, it's interesting because beginning of last year, J.K. Dobbins came out of, you know, not nowhere, but pretty much nowhere. He was a highly ranked running back. Um, but Mike Weber started out the year with essentially almost a torn hamstring. So J.K. Dobbins came out, you know, first game of the year, he goes on for like 180 yards as a true freshman in his first game. Uh, J.K. Dobbins ends up running for like 1,400 yards. And I think Mike Weber finished with about 600 yards. Uh, so I think they combined for about 2,000 yards. Uh, the one thing that's different this year, though, is there isn't the threat of the QB run. So there isn't a read option where, you know, they're not getting – they, like, still get holes, but there isn't the, you know, the defensive end crashing that um, – if the defensive end's crashing, it's a run play. It's going to be stopped at the line of scrimmage. Compared right. to last year, if the defensive end's crashing, JT Baird keeps it, and JT Baird gets seven or eight yards. This year, you know, last year, if the defensive end plays JT Baird, they give it to J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins gets seven or eight yards. Um, they did get some massive holes. I think J.K. Dobbins went for 120. 20 yards against TCU. I'm not 100% positive on that one. Um, and Mike Weber is slightly banged up. So that is a little, not cause for concern, but definitely could be a factor. Uh, he left the two-lane game early. Uh, Urban Meyer said after the game that he was going to play next week and that it was more precautionary. He just strained his foot. But um, there's been some rumors that he's been kind of banged up all fall so far. Not, not to the extent of last year, but enough where you know they've kind of limited him a little bit. Yeah, I think that'll be a really interesting matchup to to watch. Um, our secondary has again fairly young, but but shown improvement game over game. And um, I think you know that that matchup between Haskins and the wide receivers to the secondary is going to be a battle all game long. And yeah, the run game the run game for you guys against you know our our potentially exposed linebacker core um, is going to be something that we're definitely definitely going to need to crash down on early. So. With that being said, let's jump to the other side then. So obviously, um, like I said, you know, number one, number two scoring offense in the country. I think Penn State's at 55 and a half points, Ohio State 54 and a half. So these teams are putting up points. Uh, what are you looking at from the other side with the Ohio State defense? Obviously, we can talk about the loss of Nick Bosa here uh, against, against this Penn State offense. Yeah, so let's start with Nick Bosa. And then there's a couple other areas that I want to touch on. So Nick Bosa, obviously... I don't care who you're a fan of. He's a top five player in the country. Like he's going to, he's going to be a top five pick next year. Um, he all but said he was declaring in April that, you know, he was going to go to the draft. Um, he's compared to his brother, if not better than his brother. Uh, he was having an absolute monster season before he got injured. You know, I think he had three games. He had four sacks already. And that was yeah. technically in two and a half games because he was well, actually you could say three half games because he didn't play in the second half of the first two games and he got injured in the third quarter of the TCU game. So he played in three halves and had four sacks. Um, Damn. And he all but, you know, ended the season for the Rutgers quarterback because he just title drive him into the ground. Um, he had as many sacks as the rest of the defensive line combined. So when you want to talk about losing a, you know, key player on that team, like Nick Bosa is a key player on that team. I know, Penn State fans are very familiar with Joey Bosa. You know, yes. he, uh, he, he, he didn't end a, a player's game, but he ended a game. Uh, yeah, we don't need to talk about that one. I was there. I watched. <laughs> it, was, it was a great time. Um, but losing a player of that caliber, I don't care how strong your team is at that point. You're losing arguably one of the best players in college football. That You don't have another one just sitting on your bench ready to come in. I know people joke like, oh, Ohio State just reloads. Like, yeah, there's talent on the team, but I'm sorry, we just don't have another Nick Bosa sitting on the bench because if we did, he'd be playing. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think the kid's an incredible talent. I, uh, Me and my co-host both are, are New York Jets fans, so the way this season's going, I was kind of sitting there saying, hey, we're going to have the number one overall pick, and this kid's going to be our, our starting DN next year. So I, I agree, and it's it's that that was my initial mindset is like, hey, their their defensive line is deep. Yes, this is a factor. Yes, this is you know something that works in our favor, but it's still going to be a challenge against that D-line. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you, you talk about him like that and kind of confirm what the rest of the nation sees as, yeah, this dude is everything as advertised. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there is depth behind them because, you know, we fill the joke is you fill five stars with five stars. And with the defensive end, it's actually not a joke because the two defensive ends that are going to play, um, Chase Young, who was a top 10 player, true sophomore, out of Maryland, and the other one's Jonathan Cooper, who's a redshirt sophomore, who's out of Columbus, Ohio, who I think he was ranked like 30th, and he was like a either a really high four-star or a five-star player. So you want to talk about, yeah, the two defensive ends are going to be, you know, four-slash-five-star players, and then the middle of the defensive line, Draymond Jones, is showing why he should be a first-round pick next year. Draymond Jones is having an absolute monster season. Um, he was thought about going pro last year, decided against it. He could have been potentially a late first or early second-round pick, pretty much so far cemented himself as a first-round pick and the true leader of this defensive line while Nick Bosa is out. And um, if we're going to be a factor, it's going to be because Draymond Jones is – or if the defensive line is going to be a factor, it's because it's be Draymond Jones is tearing it up in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's a scary front four to talk about. So um, what do you think is something from, from the Penn State offense? I don't know how much you've watched, but what do you think is something that we might be able to exploit of, of this Ohio State defense? What have you seen so far that – Gives you a little bit of concern. Uh, your running game, and I'll tell you why. Uh, last week, our starting linebackers, all three of them combined for – guess how many tackles our starting linebackers combined for last week? You know, just in the first half, how many tackles do you think they combined for? Uh, Fifteen. Mm, much lower than that. Try zero. Oh, jeez. Our starting linebackers had zero tackles last week. Zero Yeah, that's tackles. Uh, not what you want. Now, granted, there, you know, there's some rotation in there and some guys who came in and – you know, had some tackles. Linebacker, the linebackers didn't end up with zero. It was the was zero, and none of them left any injuries. Um, you know, they really only played the first half, but still, it's concerning when none of your linebackers have a tackle. Compared to if you watch the Oklahoma game, their starting linebacker had twenty eight of them against Army. Yeah, uh, that's huge. And and I'll tell you, I mean, we we talked about this on the the preseason preview. You asked me how how do you replace a Saquon Barkley, and and I think we've got our answer. I mean, Miles Sanders is is just doing it. Um, he's a power runner. He moves the change. He's not really a, a dance around kind of you know flash player like Saquon was. But I mean, the kid's averaging like seven yards a carry over the first four games. It's it's uh it's impressive to watch. And and hey, if you guys are struggling a linebacker, that's going to be a real real good matchup to watch. Yeah, so we've had they're talking about rotating up to five guys this weekend. Um, one of the big names to watch is he's uh, his name's Baron Browning, um, another top ten player, linebacker out of Texas, uh, real fiery kid, real fast kid. Um, I want to say he's not quite a Ryan Shazier because he doesn't have that much speed. He more of a you know he tries to play his gaps. Um, he still kind of overruns plays. He did have a sack this weekend because he was the backup middle linebacker. He's definitely going to rotate in. He's a phenomenal talent. Um, he's still just kind of learning his position because they moved him to middle linebacker. He's probably more of an out, true outside linebacker. And then Dante Booker, who um, was actually a starter last year, had shoulder surgery in the offseason, kind of got jumped over during that injury. Um, you'll definitely probably see him this weekend too because – he played well in some minutes last weekend and, um, you know, played some disciplined football, which is something we've been missing over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And now, now what can you tell us about the secondary? Because it seems like every year Ohio State has one, if not two, first-round guys going from the secondary. You look at your Denzel Ward, your Malik Hooker, Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, it goes on and on. Eli um, Apple, Bradley Roby. Eli- <laughs> yeah, there, there's a whole lot of names there. Um, what are you guys looking like this year? Do you have that sort of NFL talent at, at your corners and safety again? So it depends who you read. Um, in our opinion, we don't have a true first-round cornerback. We don't have the you know, guy who you just stick him on him and you know, they're not catching the ball. We don't have the Denzel Ward that, yeah, go ahead and try and throw on him because you're not going to get anything. Or the Marshawn Lattimore where he gets targeted a whole, like, something ridiculously low, like 30 times the whole season because there's no chance you're completing a pass. Um, and we don't, 
we don't necessarily have a Malik Hooker because Malik Hooker was a freak athlete um, yeah. who had seven interceptions in a 14-game season um, and scored on like four of them. So with us, Jordan Fuller is the true leader of that secondary, third-year player on New Jersey, um, actually the nephew of Sinbad, Fun fact. Interesting. Yeah. That's a really fun fact. Yeah, I fun love fact. <laughs> fun fact. He's the nephew of Sinbad. Um, but that's probably um, – well, that's not probably. That is the true leader of that defense. Um, guy who's easily setting himself up to be, you know, an all-big tank safety this year. Cornerback-wise, um, we rotate three guys. Uh, Kendall Sheffield, who has really kind of come into his own. Uh, if there's a guy who's going to get drafted in the first two rounds this year, it's going to be Kendall Sheffield for sure. Uh, you know, he was actually a former, he started at Alabama, transferred to Bling College, and then ended up Ohio State. Five-star athlete, went to Alabama, didn't play his first year, said, I'm out. Went Juco, ended up Ohio State. Um, he was actually named, I think, the fastest player in college football last year. He, like, set Ohio State's record for the fastest 100-meter dash in the sprint track. Um, so the dude can fly, straight up fly. Yeah. Um, but he's had his issues. Um, last year, he'd get a bunch of pass interference. You know, he'd get beat. You know, he'd, get, he'd bite on the, you know, he'd bite on a bunch of moves and then have to catch up and he'd run into the wide receivers to give 15 yards. Uh, but he's really kind of coming to his own. Last year against uh, USC was his best game of the year against Sam Darnold. And then he's kind of played pretty well. I think he has one interception this year. Damon Arnett, he's got a very love-hate relationship with his fan base. Um, he'll make a great play and then he'll make something really stupid where it's like, you know, he could intercept the ball and he like hits the wide receiver instead. So uh, <laughs> it, it, he's got like a very love hate relationship. Um, he kind of reminds us of more, a little more of a Bradley Roby, a um, little more aggressive cornerback, but he pays for it sometimes. And then uh, we got a young guy who we rotate in there as well. Another five-star former athlete, uh, Jeffrey Akuda, who, uh, we expect big things out of more next year. Next year, we think he's going to be the perennial lockdown cornerback that, you know, we'll get back to our, you know, you look at him before the season and go, yeah, that dude's going in the first round. Yeah, definitely. So, so I think it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about sort of some of the rotation and some of the young guys, because, because Penn state has a lot of that too. So I think when you look at these two teams, both in the top 10, both scoring points like crazy, both fairly young and, and finding, finding their identity in certain parts of the game. I, I mean, I think this, this is really drawn up for, for a nice matchup. So hit me with what are your keys to the game for, for Ohio State to win if they should happen to win, be so lucky, um, and, and give me a score prediction. What are you, what are you thinking? Um, all right, so I'm going to give you three keys. Three keys, protect the quarterback. I know that sounds like a very obvious one, but if you keep Dwayne Haskins upright, um, I have all the confidence in the world that he could go against one of the best. Cor- he, it doesn't matter who the cornerbacks are, short of you know playing the Los Angeles Rams. That <laughs> you know he could sit there if you give him all day, he's gonna find someone. We we rotate like six wide receivers, um, so we keep our legs fresh. That I'm pretty sure that he'll find a guy that's open. He may not go 20 of 23 like he did last week, but if he goes 20 of 30. You know, we're setting ourselves up in a real good position that, you know, they're not going to be screen passes most likely. Um, next one is containing, um, containing the run. You know, you guys are number one in the nation in rushing touchdowns. I think you saw you guys had 20 rushing touchdowns already this year in four games, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yep. yep. Um, so, you know, we've, we've given up a couple big plays in the run. Um, TC went for a 95-yard run against us, Oklahoma State – or not Oklahoma, Oregon State – broke two or three big runs. Um, it's all about containing the run. And, you know, if you get four, four yards, that's fine. But we got to avoid those 20, 30-yard runs that, you know, flip the field. Even if you don't score, you flip the field on us. Um, and the third one I'm going to say is, you know, turnovers. Um, we haven't turned the ball over much. Um, I'm not huge on Trace McSorley, and I know his passer uh, completion percentage is lower this year. So in my mind, if you can get two turnovers and limit yourself to less than that, that can completely change the game. You know, two turnovers, however it is, you know, fumble, interception, whatever we need to do. If Trace McSorley fumbles on a sack, if running back fumbled, you know, it's a punt, muff punt, um, whatever it is, that's a completely game changer because um, 
I think this is going to be a shootout. And the more chances you have the ball, the better chance that you're going to have to win. So with that, I got 45-35 Ohio State win this game. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to first say your, your hate for Trace is unacceptable. Not allowed <laughs> on this podcast. I let it go when I was on yours, but I got I to gotta stick up for my guy. Um, it, hey, and it's it wasn't funny. as bad as it was on a line. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny, man. Uh, we we talked about this a lot on on our podcast. It's like the passing game really hasn't gotten going a whole lot. Trace has eight touchdowns, two interceptions, only fifty four percent completion percentage right now. A lot of that has to do with drops from the receivers. Um, but I mean, the dude's got. 235 yards on the ground and six touchdowns the offense completely runs through him he is he is like you said for Haskins everything you guys could hope and more even in a young team with a whole lot of changes on offense Trace is still doing it for us and and I absolutely love that guy um so I I hope I hope and I I got some belief that he's going to prove you wrong this week um and you'll be there live to see it so that's that's pretty awesome um I think your keys to the game are spot on and and a lot of that is is what I would say too I think pressure on Haskins is huge I agree with the turnovers because that's been I wouldn't say an issue for us uh recently in this year but it's it's something I'd like to see more of from the defense and and less of from the offense obviously you know we've had a couple of fumbles that haven't really cost us but got to protect the ball um and for me, like I said, it's going to be that that atmosphere is is can this Ohio State team? I mean, you saw it two years ago, right? Uh, you know, you guys came in there as a close game. We got that that blocked field goal to win it. We come into your house last year, start off real hot, and you know, JT just leads that fourth quarter to come back. So I thought something interesting that Franklin James Franklin said in his post uh, press conference this week is, you know, three of the last four years have been decided by seven points or less. So. This has been a, a better matchup uh, recently than, than in previous years. Uh, so, obviously, my score prediction is going to be the other way. Um, I, I got it a little bit closer because I agree it's going to be a shootout. I think if our defense makes a couple of key stops, um, this offense is I, – I just have blind faith in, in this offense right now. I really do, um, whether it's Trace, whether it's our backup, Sean Clifford, who is five for five with two touchdowns. He comes in and just throws tutties. Um, and we haven't seen Tommy Stevens this year. So I have blind, blind faith in this offense. I, I have it 41-38 Penn State win it. I actually have one more key to the game because I, one more. Thought, I, I actually thought about this. So I'll allow it. One, what do you got? The one thing about the – I'm trying to make sure I have this right. So last year, for sure, two years ago, you guys blocked the kick. Uh, three years ago, was that the black jerseys in Columbus when we – uh, I believe two so. Quarterbacks. All right, then that one doesn't count. So three of the last four games, um, the main thing that has been different is the second half. Yeah. So in three years ago, we got up big in the first half, and you guys came storm. Or four years ago, I guess, uh, you guys came storming back. Trace McSorley walks down the field at the end of the game, or whoever was it. Trace or was it Hackenberg? That I think it was. Ha- it was we sacked Hackenberg. That's who yeah. It was. Yep. Hackenberg. Yeah. Anyways. Yep. <laughs> uh, Hackenberg walks down the field at the end of the game. You know, he ties it up and we send it to overtime. Two years ago, you know, we same thing. We got up big in the first half. Um, I remember Curtis Samuel went for like 75 yards because I kept screaming, give it to Curtis Samuel. Finally did, and he went for 75 yards. And that's another point. That's another day. Um, and then last year, you guys got up big in the same thing in the second half. We came storming back that uh, if somebody gets a lead, you can't. You, you gotta you gotta maintain like you gotta do something you can't let the other team get back into it you can't you essentially have to kill the faith i know yeah. that's like it's kind of sounds stereotypical but like if you get up you have to kind of you have to put it away because yeah. not none of these teams were able to put it away they kept it within you know i think 18 points between all the games it was either 17 or 18 um you know if any of those teams get to 24 the faith starts to dwindle because now you're thinking, okay, this is a four score game. You know, you get to 25. This is a four score game at that point, three scores in the first half. You think, all right, two touchdowns and we're a field goal behind. If we get a stop here, you know, if you get that to that four score team, your players won't say it, but they're starting to lose faith at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And we've seen that with Penn state over the last couple of years in, in a lot of games where we, we keep it close in the first half or get down. I mean, we went into half against Illinois, only up a couple of points. We we were actually down to Illinois. You were losing at one point. three points in the second half. Twenty four, twenty one, and then we just decided to score forty two unanswered. So it's yeah, I think that's a really good call, and I actually didn't remember that that that's sort of been the game script for these these last couple. So yeah, it just goes to both... show if you get up early doesn't mean this game. Even if you get up two or three scores, this game is still wide open. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I think we both have it uh, right where it's going to be. I, I, the initial line was Ohio State minus four, four and a half ish. Uh, once the Bosa news came out, most books dropped only about a half a point. So it's it's hovering between three and a half and four. I haven't seen an over under, but I got to imagine it's going to be up near 65. 70, oh, yeah. Um, with the way these teams are scoring. So, yeah, I think we both have it right out of shootout and, you know, may the best team win at this point. So I think all that's left is got to do a friendly wager at this point. Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you got in your mind? Uh, uh, what's, the, what's the loser doing here? Let's see. The loser has to change their Twitter avatar to the winner's choice for a week. Oh, fuck. That's a good one. Um, yeah, because I was going to say, I'm not going to go out and buy Ohio State gear. That's what you know, a lot of the pro teams will do is they have some, you know, someone wear the other team's gear. Yeah, I like that. All right, we'll do the avatar for a week. Uh, loser changes it to, to the winner's choice. Um, I cannot wait to see Trace McSorley as your avatar for a full week. Oh, trust me, I've got some good ones in mind. I've got some good ones in mind. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Have fun this weekend. Be safe. Enjoy Happy Valley. Enjoy that whiteout. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. And that was a great interview with Jake of the Urban Renewal. As you just heard, he broke down everything that we as Penn State fans need to know about Ohio State. But let's get into the real fun. Let's talk about our guys, Penn State. My co-host Pat joins me as always. Pat, how you doing today? Doing pretty well. Just getting off work. Um, so excited for this Saturday. I Let me tell you, I had a moment of panic the other week when I saw that I was scheduled for Saturday. Uh, basically starting in what would be like the third quarter. Oh. I had to switch to an 8 a.m. shift for Saturday. Oh. And for anyone listening who doesn't know me, I usually wake up at around noon or 1 p.m. So this is this is a huge sacrifice for me. I mean, listen, I don't speak for the players, but I will right now. They thank you. They really do. Thank oh. you for your service. Yes. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, technically technically Thursday. Uh, it's a little after midnight right now. We're recording Thursday, September twenty seventh. A couple days away from game day, and this is uh, this is the season, really. I mean, I know it's only week five, but this is huge for both teams. Both teams four and zero. Both teams vying for the Big Ten East. This is really kind of make or break. So, um, before we get into the specifics of you know offense, defense, give me your your overall thoughts. How you feeling going into going into this game against Ohio State? I am extremely nervous. Um, I really am. Mostly because I just haven't seen Penn State play four quarters of really good football yet. Um, I've seen... I've seen... uh, I have yet to see four quarters of, like, their best football. Yeah. And that worries. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment, and... and... I don't know. Maybe I'm. I think the excitement is taking over for, as confidence for me at this point. Whereas I was kind of feeling that way throughout the first couple of weeks. I'm like, oh shit, Ohio State's going to be scary. Ohio State's going to be scary. But now that it's game week, I'm just pumped. I'm excited. It's. I mean, the you know the Vegas line right now has Ohio State as a three and a half to four point favorite, no matter where where you look. Um, and I don't know. Just something tells me that this game is is going to be closer than expected. And and I'm. I think we got a good shot to pull this out. I do too. I mean, I still think we're going to win. Um, I say I believe that we're going to win. I don't think anything, but I believe that we're going to win. I believe that we will win. I really hope so. Because exactly. um, as, as you guys just heard on that interview with Jake, uh, there is a lot at stake. Our, our Twitter avatar to our 144 followers is at stake for one whole week. And I don't want that thing to be Brutus the Buckeye or Urban Meyer or fucking Dwayne Haskins. I uh, I very much want to see his avatar as Trace McSorley because he's talked shit on Trace since he and I have, have started talking. Uh, I like Jake. He's a good dude, but I would love to see his avatar as Trace. So, uh, so let's jump into the game. Let's start with uh, let's start with the offense, Penn State offense. So uh, we got some good insight from Jake on on the Ohio State D. What are you looking for out of out of Penn State's O? Um, so, I mean, a big key, I think, for us is going to be our offensive line. Um, they've looked mostly good throughout the season, but this is going to be by far the biggest challenge. I mean, even without Nick Bosa, Ohio State's got a solid defensive front. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and I, my biggest key is is in line with that is is the running game. Um, you know, we've we talked last week uh, on the Illinois recap how I, I was concerned that we haven't gotten the passing game going, and and I, I stand by that. I'm still concerned. I, I kind of kind of wish at this point we see a little bit more rhythm out of Trace and and at least one or two of his receivers that, that you know, hey, critical critical down, he can go to that guy. But but I think if we can establish the run early, and and Miles has done it. Um, I think that's just going to be such a huge game changer for us. Uh, if you look at if you look at Ohio State's um, rushing defense, it's not spectacular. They're letting up about a, almost 150 yards a game and one almost point four yards a carry. Yeah, four yards a carry, one one and a half touchdowns, and I mean that's you know gets a little bit diluted by you know a performance against Rutgers where they held them to like 60 something. Um, I mean, Oregon State and TCU both kind of kind of had some, some good success on the ground. So um, yeah, and to be honest, neither Oregon State nor TCU—they're not bad offenses, but neither of them are dynamic. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. TCU I th- just put up sixteen points against Texas. <laughs> that's, that's I think kinda... they scored more points against Ohio State than they did against Texas. They did. Yeah, they put they, up twenty-eight yeah. against Ohio State. So that—that's a really good point. And I, I think you made a great point uh, on our last episode where you talked about how you've been impressed with with what Trace has been able to do in those in those options and and kind of being able to take the ball when he needs to. I think if we can start to have some success against this Ohio State defense running the ball, I think that kind of opens up the pass and. Again, I, I don't yeah. know what to expect from the passing game, but if it gives us the opportunity, we got to take it. Yeah, I mean, I think if – as long as the offensive line plays well, which I, I think they will, um, I Ohio State's going to have a pretty tough time dealing with that run option where Trace either keeps or gives just because we really have two legitimate threats in one play to run the ball. Yeah, and I think that's where you see probably the biggest impact from Bosa being off the field. I mean, the kid is truly an incredible talent coming off the end, and he's one that you can't really read all the time, right? Because he could be crashing down on Miles and still make a play on Trace. Uh, yes, they de- yes they have depth. Yes, they're going to be good. Him being off the field is is definitely favorable for us. So um, we'll we'll see how that gets going. I I haven't been really I don't follow Ohio State that closely, but. Outside of Nick Bosa, I don't think they have, you know, a real another incredible playmaker on their defense. Yeah, and, and Jake gave us some good names to look out for. Um, gave a gimme the the interesting stat that their linebacker core, I think, last week had zero tackles, um, and they only they they're, they're starters. You know, they're they're three starters, and they only played the first half. But but still, I mean, if there's a place. Yeah, if there's a place to expose them and, and we can in the run game, I think that's going to be absolutely huge. Um, and if we can expose them in the run game, that's just going to open things up in the passing game. Yep. That, you know, football works. The pass is now so much easier to make. And I, Trace, you haven't seen an incredible passing game out of him yet, but he's the kind of guy where, you know, if, if he's going to open it up one week, it's going to be this week. You know, that's yeah. who he always is. He's a gamer. He's a winner. He's Captain Clutch. Yep. Yep. I, I, I can't wait to see him under the lights because this isn't new for him. You know, this is – he's been in the whiteout. He's been in the big game. Like, this is something that I think he's ready for, man. And and I, I'm excited to see him run this offense. And, and like I said, I think for us it's going to be score early, score often because I do think this is going to be, be a shootout. And I think we're going to need all the weapons that we have. Um Speaking of weapons, uh, this is maybe the game where we finally get to see our lion, Tommy Stevens. What are you, uh, what are you thinking, and what do you expect from from Tommy Stevens in this game? Yeah, that's a good point. I actually haven't even been thinking about that. Um, so I think the most important thing with Tommy Stevens, even more than his performance, is just another wrinkle that Ohio State has to a prepare for and respect while he's on the field. So him just being on the field opens things up. It makes it easier for every other player who's on that field. It makes it easier for a play to happen because he's not just, you know, some guy on the field. He's someone they have to look out for and someone who draws attention from their defense. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope he's fully healthy. I hope they can get him in there. And, again, is is he going to catch a touchdown pass? Is he going to run for a 50-yard gain? Is he going to throw for a monster touchdown? I have no idea. But I think as this offense is, I wouldn't say struggling to find their identity because I, I think we've we found our identity. It's it's run the ball and you know t- 
take what take what the defense gives you. Um, but I think it would be really cool to see him in there and see, you know, just a little bit, some flash and flair that we, we haven't quite seen. Yeah, now that you brought it up, I'm actually really excited to see him in this game. Yeah, definitely. Because um, I feel like they've been just sort of, they've been saving him for this. Yeah, it almost feels that way, right? Like Franklin has said for the last two weeks now, like, hey, if we needed him, he could have gone. If we needed him, he could have gone. If they didn't put him in at all, that either means, one, he's not really ready and they, they're waiting for that injury to be 100%, or two, they just had no desire to show that part of the playbook. I think that's what it is, honestly. Yeah. And, and not is it Ohio State this week, but just the next six weeks is the real meat of the schedule. And these aren't games where we've needed him at all. Right. So why not wait for the schedule to get him in there? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the last piece that I have on offense, uh, if you have anything else – Anything else for offense before I jump into this one? Um, special teams count as offense. Which one? Does special teams count as offense? We'll get there. Let's save that one. Okay. Um, last one I have for offense is going to be turnovers. So we, we talk about this a lot, and we talk about how it's cliche. you got to win the turnover battle. But I saw a stat on Twitter today that, that I thought was fairly interesting. This one was from uh, at Nittany Takeover, and he actually credited at PSU underscore strong. So I don't know who the hell came up with it. But they pointed out that in that TCU game that Ohio State played, uh, you know, that was obviously their their closest matchup this year, biggest team that they played. Uh, TCU actually outscored Ohio State's on offense 28 to 26. So Ohio State won that game 40 to 28. 14 of those 40 points came from turnovers. There was a Nick Bosa uh, forced fumble in the end zone that somebody else dove on, and there was an interception returned for a touchdown. So in that game, Ohio State offense only scored 26 points. Uh, They had, yeah, right? They had three touchdowns, one of which included a um, failed two-point attempt. So that's your 20, and then two field goals. So I don't, I don't know how good TCU's defense is, but that kind of surprised me when you look at some of the box scores of Ohio State hanging 77. Only scored 26 against TCU. That is an excellent point. So I think for us, don't fumble the ball. Don't have costly interceptions, right? There, there are going to be times where we go three and out. That's, that's going to happen. Don't turn the ball over. Score when we have those opportunities. And I give us a good shot to, uh, to keep this thing close and, and pull away at the end. I agree. Awesome. Glad we're on the same page. And I, I, don't, I don't see us turning the ball over too much. Um, again, the only time Trace ever really throws interceptions is, A, if they're tipped, or B, if he's pressing in a tight situation, which doesn't tend to happen until the end of the game. Right. So I, just, I don't see a lot of interceptions happening. And as far as fumbles go, um, I think – I get the feeling we, we've kind of gotten that out of our system, you know? Yeah. I don't see it happen. People are showing up for – I Franklin does a good job of having his players always show up for every game, you yep. know? Yep, yep. Especially the big – and I don't see I, – I think I think we're ready. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just – I said this to Jake in the interviews. I'm just blindly confident in this offense at this point. Like, whether it's a slow start, whether it's, you know, a couple of botched plays here and there, like, I'm so confident that they'll get it together. It's just – I don't know. I have blind faith. The under-over on this game is 71, and I'm probably going to take the over. Like, the, I think I think there's going to be points. Yeah, and to be honest, even our slow starts have been like 21 and 28-point halves. Yeah. Which, That's not that slow. <laughs> yeah, I guess relatively, <laughs> right? Relatively slow. Yeah. Um, like, it, it feels slow because they don't look pretty a lot of the time. Yep. No, that's totally and fair. They get mistakes get made, but like when you actually look at the points that get put up, I think our lowest first half score is 21 points, right? Or 17, 17. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's not particularly slow. No, it's, it's not, it's not, but it's just, I guess when you have the expectations of being able to score at will and it's maybe it's not the number on the scoreboard, it, but you see, yeah, it's just when you compare it to the second half where we put up. 50. Right. And, and you see like yeah. a couple of these three and outs and you're like, wait, 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 we should be scoring every time. What, what do you mean? We were not scoring on this drive, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's great for the offense. I'm glad we're on the same page there and, and I hope we see some fireworks. Um, let's flip to defense. So uh, obviously we have seen our, our share of opportunity areas in the defense, but again, all things considered, um, you know, we've, we've done what we needed to, to win the games. 
you bring in an offense like Ohio State, things need to step up a bit. What are, uh, what are some of your keys on defense? Oh, uh, the big one for me is going to be the defensive line because not only do they – they got to learn to play smart. Like I've a few weeks um, with not just sort of blindly rushing upfield. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, Ohio State's got a, a pretty good running game. Um, I, I should say it's it's been quite mm-hmm. good. Um, and they, they have sort of a running back guy by committee, it looks like, where they don't have one you know absolute running back star. But they've also got a quarterback who can rush for 90 yards a game. And if, if there's big holes, he's going to take advantage of them, and he's going to get first downs. You know, he might not put together a 50-yard run, but he's going to get consistent first downs. Yeah, it's uh, so their they're running game so far, and we, and we talked about this a little bit with Jake, is uh, J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, the two running backs that kind of split carries. I was actually surprised with, with Dwayne Haskins because – I kind of had the same um, same sort of image that you did of like, yeah, he can run. And, and I think that's part of just seeing, you know, JT Barrett and Braxton Miller and Cardale and all those guys. Haskins actually only has – no, he only has 10 carries on the year for 28 yards. So he has, he has really, really relied on his arm. And, man, I hate to say this, but his arm looks really, really good. Um, uh, I think our defensive backfield, to be honest, I, I think is very good. But we have moments of inconsistency in some games that we can't afford this week. Yeah, and I think I think with the D line, I think you, I think you're spot on in the fact that they need to be better. Um, for me, I'm not. I mean, of course, I'm always worried about the run game. You know, Illinois just slashed us. Um, but what I'm more worried about is being able to get pressure on Dwayne Haskins. This is his first year as a starter. This is his first big game under the lights. Jake and I talked. You can, yeah, he was at TCU. Great. It was at the Cowboys Stadium. Half of the stadium was Ohio State fans. This is going to be an hostile, hostile atmosphere. Like, if our defensive line starts getting to him, sacks him once or twice, the crowd starts going crazy. I mean, that changes a mindset, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the biggest game of his career. Yes. You know? Yes. 100%. And this is going to be the first time you really see him with like a ton of pressure on. Yep. And I, I, I I don't think the whiteout doesn't get to anybody, but I think it definitely has potential to get to a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience. And I, I do agree with you that you, if you, between the atmosphere and like, if he gets, you know, one, two big sacks could really shake him. Yeah, because I maybe maybe yeah. I mean, it's and you know, with the way Ohio State fucking quarterbacks are, our luck will be he gets you know sacked once and then he starts showing off the legs and starts running. <laughs> um, yeah, of but but yeah, I think that's going to be a huge key. Um, I agree. I do. I do have. I do have faith in our secondary. Um, but if we're not getting pressure and the kid has time to throw, that becomes scary because his arm is that good. He can you know he can make those throws. He he's the best quarterback that we've seen from a passing standpoint in Ohio state in the last, you know, however many years that I've been watching at least. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be, you know, make him, make him sort of, you know, make him a little scared, get him on the ground, um, make them run the ball a little bit, because like I said, they're, they're averaging. I think it's like, let me look 365 passing yards a game. Um, he's completing like 77% of his passes. Like you got to force them to be more than that, or else they're just going to throw the ball all day. So I'll tell you- Oh, I don't think their defensive backfield is particularly great because they are averaging almost as many passing yards as as they are getting, like le- letting up. They, really? They've given up on the year nine hundred. They've gotten on the year nine hundred fifty-seven yards. They've given up eight hundred eleven. Interesting. You know, and this is to not you know it's two hundred two yards a game passing, and mm-hmm. a completion percentage of over fifty. And that's with, you know, teams like Rutgers. And- yeah, Tulane. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's a good point. I actually didn't see that one. So I'm not yeah. overly impressed by their defense, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, I think, I think in, in years past, their defense has been just like lights out, shut down. I mean, it goes back to the Joey Bosa sack in Hackenberg. Like, you know, we just, as good as we were, we didn't have a shot. And 
I'm hoping and I'm, I'm, I'm confident that this is the year, again, with the way our offense is rolling. Like, we're the number one scoring offense in the nation right now. Ohio State is number two. They're literally one point behind us. But I just – I have confidence in our offense. So, when it comes to our I, defense – Honestly, I think both – there's a good chance you're going to see both offenses really exploit these defenses. Mm-hmm. But if there's one that doesn't, my opinion is that it will be – it would be – their offense not showing up as much because it's in Happy Valley. It's a night game. It's the whiteout. Dwayne Haskins has never seen this. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I think for our defense, you, you nailed it. Defensive line has to be on point um, in, in all aspects. You know, shut down the run, get to the quarterback. Um, two for me, we, we talked about it last week, is – Gotta, gotta, gotta eliminate those mental mistakes. You know, we are the home team. We should not let this atmosphere get to us. Um, it's it's a spectacle. I, I can understand how a young player out there, you know, one of our true freshmen or, or true sophomores that are getting some playing time kind of are taking it all in and, and get a costly penalty or a costly offsides. It's You gotta be disciplined and, and gotta let them make those mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I will say, you know, that, that could be the worry is how young we are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, you, you know, Micah Parsons, you've got your, you know, uh, Don Johnson out there. You've got a, a lot of young kids in this defense that, man, I, I'm, I'm excited to see them feed off that energy, but it's one of those where you're again, a little bit in the wrong direction. You get a little bit too over happy. You, you go on instinct and miss a read and somebody goes for 80 yards to the house. Yeah. And that's just, in, especially in a game like this, that's such a momentum killer or swing yeah big plays and that that's you know they're gonna drive down the field and score on us a number of times most likely yeah it's gonna happen sure that they're not doing it on those gigantic plays that's a that's a big deal yeah i agree it's it's when we have those opportunities you know make them work for it make them work for those first downs and eventually guess what you're gonna get stops right if they're if they're having to grind out every third down third down third down you're gonna get stops uh and and that's that's a game changer so when they get to third down let's let's talk about some special teams right we're fourth down you're punting you're kicking what do you got for for special teams keys to the game um well there's one more thing i want to say on defense defense like i said defense we're gonna stick with defense (laughs) (laughs) one more thing is um just talk, kind of talking about the identity of our defense as a bend-not-break defense. That's definitely who we are, so we have been the past few years. And there's a part of me, part of that that makes me very nervous in that for giving up all these yards, you know, Ohio State is such a powerful offensive team that there's a great chance that they're going to be able to exploit that. Other side of the coin there is, their red zone efficiency is not that impressive. Yeah. So there is a chance that bend not break is the perfect style against these guys because they just won't get it done in the red zone. Yeah, I did see that stat. I think it was like an ESPN graphic, and I, I think that might be one I forgot to ask Jake about. But I, I wondered, is that are they just not as good in the red zone and they're kicking more field goals, or is that maybe just because it's a really small sample size because they so often score from outside of the red zone? Um, yeah. Either so, way, either way, I think it's an opportunity for us. Like you said, even you know, even if it's a small sample size, if they're not punching it in for the into you know, for a touchdown, hell, we'll take three over seven every time. Yeah, so t- to me, the, the bend-not-break identity is either going to really work against us or really work for us. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. All right. All right. Hope hope for some shitty red zone efficiency from Ohio State this weekend. I, I like that. That's a good take. All righty. Special teams. Yep. So what? Uh, I got a couple. What's on? What's on your mind for special teams? Um, I want to just see the same things out of KJ and DeAndre so far. You know, they've been spectacular returning punts and kicks. And of course, this week won't be as great as it was against those other teams. You know, they won't be averaging 25 yards a punt return. But if he 10 to 15 yards a punt return. That's pretty huge against a team like Ohio. State. Oh, absolutely, and I mean, all it takes is one. I get to help in the field battle, you know, the field. Oh, a hundred percent. I I agree, and and I mean, hell, all it takes is one, right? Last last year, Saquon opened the game with a returning, you know, returning the opening kick for a touchdown. Okay. Yes, we did not win that game, but man, that momentum was just shifted from the very beginning. You know, hell yeah, we did. 
Um, yeah, it, and I'm happy you mentioned that field position because this is this is one I have not talked about almost all season, and I'm going to give my guy some love. Blake Gilligan, who, again, I think is just one of the best punters that I've ever seen. Punters don't get enough love. Um, you're going to see him more this game than you have in the past. I think I think this season we've punted maybe three times, four times. Like I, It can't be more than five. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but you, you just haven't seen him on the field, right? Because either we're in field goal position or we're scoring. It's, you know, he just hasn't been needed, but the dude is a weapon. And when it comes to field position, you're going to see him stretch the field for us where we're going to have a couple of times where it, it might be an ugly three and out. And he's going to give you a 55 yard or a 60 yarder with some good bounces and pin those guys deep. I don't care how good Dwayne Haskins is. If you're asking an offense to go 80, 90, 70, 65, however many yards every time, it's just not going to happen. So having a weapon like him, whereas if the offense does falter a little bit, we can still kick it deep and, and pin them, I think is going to be just pivotal. And and I don't think our fan base realizes how good of a punter he is just because we haven't really needed him this year. Yeah, that that's a great point, uh, actually. And, you know, like you said, we are going to see him more this week uh, than we have been. Despite the fact that we've kind of been talking about <laughs> defense, it's still going to be this is still going to be the best defense we've faced by a, a pretty decent exactly, line. and by more. I mean, uh, I hope we don't see him a ton. We'll see him a couple times out there, you know. Oh, yeah. And this uh, this point is sort of a two for one between him and yep. Jake Pinniger, in that I think the confidence in Jake Pinniger kicking field goals is not high, so. When you're getting to the, uh, you know, high 40s range field goal, if, if we're not close to a first down, I think you see Gillikin come on and try and pin him deep instead of a field goal. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see uh, Franklin's decision-making because I think that is one thing that he gets criticized for more often than not. And, and I think sometimes it's rightfully so, especially when we have a lead and we end up sort of, playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Um, so I, I don't, I don't second guess a lot of like his calls because again, I'm not an expert and you know, I, I trust and hope that, that our guys are making the right calls, but, but that's a really good point is that I, I, I would not surprise me if there are more than one instance in this game where the entire room that you're watching this with, whether you're at home, you're at a bar is screaming, what the fuck is he doing? Why aren't we kicking it? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh that's an interesting point. And I think especially if, like, say early on in the game, Pinninger comes out for, like, a 40-yard field goal and misses it. I don't think, I don't think, unless it's, you know, to win the game or something, I don't think you see him taking any long field goals after that. Um, yeah. And it might even just be from the beginning because he has instilled so little confidence in the field goal game. Thus far. Yeah, and Franklin says all the right things in the press conferences. You know, we got faith in him. He's got to be more consistent, but we've got faith. I wonder what that decision-making looks like when it comes, you know, it comes time to, to put your nuts on the table. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I have very little faith in Jake Pinnegar as a field goal kicker thus far. So it wouldn't – I would actually like the decision to try and pin them deep rather than potentially give them the ball at the 35-yard line. Yeah, fuck it. I'll do you one better. Put Blake Gillikin out there. Let him kick the damn field goal. Hell I'm sure yeah. he can do it. <laughs> Call up Big Toe Joe. Joe, we need you, buddy. We need you. Eat him. We need him <laughs> now more than ever. Oh, man. All righty. Uh, what, else, what else you got in this game? Any, uh, any other keys to victory for us? I feel like we've been talking about this like literally every week in, in the podcast. I yeah, I expected to talk on this one much longer, but I, I think we've kind of said it all at this point. So, we, I, the, the big key for this week is just going to be consistency. Yeah. It's one thing we haven't shown throughout an entire game, and it's the, this is the first week that we need to show it throughout the yeah, whole game. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think the big, the big one for me, and I'm, I'm going to take like a cheesy route on this, but treat this game as any other every week is the super bowl if that's really the mentality that franklin pushes if that's really the mentality that this team buys into then the stage should be shouldn't be big for anyone right it shouldn't be too big for anyone they should be treating this just like they treat illinois just like they treat pitt and of course they don't right like i'm not an idiot but 
The point I'm getting at here is composure. Keep your composure, execute what you're supposed to do, and just fucking win the game. Yeah, and I mean, that can be particularly important because of how young your team is. Yeah, I I completely agree. So, all right, let's get to some predictions here. Um, Vegas has us currently as a four-point underdog, three and a half at some books. The under over is set at around 70, 71. What is, uh, what is your score prediction, Mr. Colicchio? I'm going 45-42 Penn State. Love it. Love it. Uh, mine, I said earlier in the interview, I have 41-38. So same thing. I think it's a three-point margin. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily like a, a walk-off field goal. Um, I, I almost hope it's not for the reasons you just listed. But I do think it's like a three- yeah. to four-point game. I think Vegas has the line right. I just think they have it in the wrong direction. I think, I think Penn state walks out of this one with a victory. Lots of, lots of points are scored and uh, we control, we control our destiny after that because. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think really just wire to wire, this is going to, this game is going to be a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, but uh, if you're listening in LA, we will be in, at the parlor in, in Hollywood. Uh, first time this season, we've been at the Brit for some other games. We'll be at the parlor this weekend uh, with a bunch of other Penn state fans having multiple heart attacks, drinking a whole lot of beers to calm our nerves, and and hopefully walking away with that W. So uh, thanks for listening. As always, get pumped, get excited, get ready. Pat, any last words for the fans? Oh, let's go, boys. Get up for this one. Let's fucking go. We are.